turning, if you will, to Joshua chapter 6. Well-known events from the Old Testament. They don't come more well-known than this one, do they? The question, an insider or an outsider? Which are you, an insider or an outsider? They're in Jericho. Well, shut in. Okay, seems there was a threat to them and uh, they shut the city up. But maybe feeling in measure safe, shut up there as an insider, looking out on these outsiders, the strange group of people blowing their trumpets with their various priests and army such as it was. Well, what's to be made of them? What is to be made of them? What do you make of them? Are you an insider in Jericho or an outsider there outside the city walls with this strange looking group of people? Things have moved on, hadn't they? Moses, the great deliverer, that man that was raised up there to be servant in the household of God, a leader and a prince. And now Joshua has succeeded him. And the promise of the promised land is now beginning to become fulfilled. Here is the first great challenge, Jericho. A city, well, no mean city, city of wealth, a city of power, city with a king, a powerful king, looking so impregnable with its walls, famous for its walls. Walls that speak, don't they, of safety and security. Walls that promise that those inside it surely will be at ease, will be safe inside. It's what it looked. But of course we know, because we know what happens. Those walls fell incredibly. Not uh, through kind of invasion forces there, not Putin's tanks as it were, battering these walls or anything like that. This was something else, wasn't it? A victory here. This is the first of 31 victories. Who's counting them? I don't know that I'm relying on him to have got it right. But anyway, 31 significant victories that kind of were the, the way into the promised land. Beginning here in Jericho, as though a worked example, as though this is what it's about. This is how this is going to proceed. And if Jericho can fall, well, really nowhere. Nowhere is safe. And as I say, it isn't a lesson to us on capturing cities. Uh, Putin has got his uh, battle playbook there open. His generals are advising him. Well, I don't think Kiev, if that's what their plan and view is, is going to fall based upon this particular strategy. Not meant to be a blueprint for successful capture of cities, either in that day or in, in any day. Oh, or uh, as though within this, there is some blueprint for surefire spiritual victory. If we are to say this, it's a one-off. There's so many. The works of God, they're not to be copied. The healings of our Lord Jesus Christ, they're teaching the children in school, the healing of the man born blind and clay. The Lord's spittle, wasn't it? So I'm wiping the clay on his eyes. And then tell him to go and wash in the pool, Siloam, which means scent. And he goes and he comes back seeing. Well, is that Specsavers' surefire way of sorting your eyesight or mine? Uh, a friend here in eye surgery, I don't think uh, that's the method that she uses. But for that bit, it's one-off. It's meant to signal 
This is a work of God. And the victory here, here it is a victory, isn't it? Uh, rather than a, a healing, the healings themselves are total and absolute. The defeat is absolute. The victory is absolute. It's legendary, meant to be. It's meant to stand out to us. We're meant to take heed from this and realize that this, this was an act of God. You know, Storm Eunice had uh, probably the insurers there uh, looking what they're going to call it. Um, maybe they call it there, don't they still? I think an act of God. And insurance claims that must be following up hard behind it there. Well, here is an act of God. It wasn't Storm Eunice or any other storm, whatever name might be given to it, that caused these walls to fall. This was supernatural. This was a design and a plan from heaven. This isn't a kind of military strategy here, superior force of arms. It's not their sword that gained them the victory, nor some great subtlety. So we're taking a leaf here out of Fabian textbook of stealth and infiltration and working to weaken the enemy from within. No, this was the plan of God. God was in the midst. God was there, as symbolized by the ark, the very presence of God in that particular economy, so localized, so centralized, so much there. Hence the respect with which the ark always had to be treated. The appointed servants, the priests, with their particular roles. Not to do this, only first day to walk around, only on that day, no shouting until the appointed seventh day. And the people were wise. They did what they were told. Simple as that. They followed the instructions. There's a one-off. They weren't going to be instructed, do it this way every time. We come to Ai or Bethel or any of the other cities, do it this way. But do it this way here. And they followed the instructions and the results were very, very evident. Well, let's have a first heading then, uh, by way of introduction. The insiders looked the strongest. But they looked at it, didn't they, from the surface. Always a minute, you're there with this so well-defended city, with its walls very easy to defend. And the city was shut up. They had all their gates up. They had secured the city. And though they'd heard, and we'll come to that in a minute, what these people had done, well, the kings to Og there, to Sion, what they'd done in Egypt, what happened to Pharaoh and his chariots. Maybe they thought that we're something else. We've got our city. We've got our walls. We've got our gates. We've got our king. And we are well protected here. We back ourselves. And the more that we look out and see the peculiar behavior of these people that supposedly we're to be afraid of, we're just beginning to feel a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more calm. Can't understand how they're going to take this city blowing ram's horns and with this strange box being carried by these curiously attired people, these priests. And so perhaps they felt themselves actually shut up secure, securely shut up, shut in, impregnable, a problem for the Israelites, if they're going to take this city. I just like the world, isn't it? It's like the world. And it might seem to have the advantages here, advantages of location. They've got defense. They have people. 
They have manpower. They have a seeming security. But how much the world there? You're the insider. You're the insider. You belong. And we reward right thinking, right behavior. We've got technology. Works for us actually here. Entertainment is on our side. We make the best jokes and we make them actually at the expense of the church. We can make those people look so stupid. We are so humorous, so witty with it there. Big business, more and more, is it's lining up here in a more and more antagonistic stance toward Christian things. We've got friendships, associations and alliances. We've got the right ideas, the right points of view. Yes, come be shut up with us behind our walls here. We're looking out and, ah, these days, where are these judgments anyway? We've been told about the Lord's return. We've been told that he is a great God who judges the ungodly. But where's that then? That hasn't happened to us yet. No, you come. Stay with us here. We're the normal. We're the settled. We're the people who belong here. Be with us and you're on the right side of history. Be with us because the politics, the economics, all of it lines up with us. Or does it? What does it quite? Well, I think the pandemic showed, no, it doesn't quite at all. And how quickly, quickly troubled the world order was. How quickly, quickly troubled people were. I'm seeing, I can only say it really here from my own observation, banks panicking. And we saw politicians panicking. And we still see them, I think, in a fair state of panic. All the global supply chains being put under considerable stress there. And borders, unthinkable thing, wasn't it, being closed. Ease of movement and everything that the whole system seemed to be built upon having to stop. And people instead were shut in with something that was beginning to creak, was beginning to look. Not so much as if it would deliver on the goods. And if we can cast our minds back, well, we've got to go back now nearly two years. Imagine it. Nearly two years, isn't it? That we've been with all these strange and curious times and seeing those stressed people in supermarket car parks there battling over tin of beans. Oh, and we smile now and we look back, don't we? The toilet rolls. Now great stockpiles of these were being built up. Quite, quite extraordinary. Ah, we were shut in, but the people who were shut in with it didn't seem to be so at ease. There seemed to be problems here. And then those who were shut in, and very much shut in, isolated, well, they began to perhaps sense that things weren't going well. And still so many people desperately, desperately fearful, desperately empty. It showed up an emptiness, didn't it? And not only our own nation, but indeed across the world. There it was. It seemed to have everything working for it, but we're going to come to Babylon in a moment, aren't we? But almost in an hour. The whole thing was tottering. The whole thing was creaking. It still is in fair measure creaking. Just needs a thought of invasion of Ukraine. All of a sudden, everything again, shaking and jittery. So people who are just left with their own kind of thoughts... Unfortunately, some of those thoughts turned very sour, didn't they? Had more and more people getting radicalized to more and more things. Islam was able to steal a march or two, the fundamentalist, extremist form. Anti-Semitism during that time, as 
People looked, well, the old four guys, isn't it there? Blame the Jews for it. Blame those people for it. And people are only too happy to oblige on that. And so he got some of the most ugly forms of hate that emerged out of it. Ideas about how cultures are dominated by racism or something like this. These ideas took off during this period in a spectacular way. We saw within it the confusion, the chaos. Saw how people are when suddenly they're deprived of their pleasures and the, the reliable supply chains of consumer goods when suddenly the holidays have gone. What we're left with, what indeed. We found it stripped away people there, looking in the wrong places for answers, trying to build, as it were, a, a kind of new world order, one that really doesn't have much... Uh, much uh, recommendation from the Bible for it, and all kinds of fears. See, death wasn't a, really at heart. Much of it was the fear of death. So they shut into a system. The insiders were not comfortable with it. And as we know, because the spies, when they went into Jericho and Rahab, very bravely housed them, hid them. Among those stalks of flax a while they were being looked for by the uh, the people in Jericho, the soldiers sent by the king. They knew they were there somewhere. No, they were hidden. But Rahab gave it away to them, what really the state of the city was. <laughs> to hear, I'm just turning to Joshua chapter 2, verses uh, 9 to 11. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And then of course she asks, Please show mercy to me. That conversation, Joshua there saying to those spies, look her out and save any who are in her, her household there, who are with her, who are safe there. Bring them out, keep them safe from the destruction that is going to come upon the city. All that seeming security. And yet here, faced with a challenge, and the whole place was absolutely shaken out of their depth, weren't they? Totally out of their depth. The insiders, yet at the heart, there was fear. And now we see them, as Rahab explains, the real state of the city. Seemed to have all the trade, all the goods, everything else. But when it came to it, there's fear writ large in their hearts, in the very depth of their soul. Oh dear friend, where are you signed up with? Who, who who are you with? Where are you putting your hopes today? With this kind of system? With this kind of setup? Which really there, you won't get the answers that you need. The people of Jericho hadn't. And Rahab, remarkable, isn't it? She sees through it. And she now knows where she wants to belong. Where she had been part of the system. Well, there's her her work, if we can call it work there, which makes us blush a bit, but scripture is quite open about these things. There she is. She's thinking hard and furiously now, isn't she? She's changing. And she realizes that you are the people, your God, the God in heaven above and on earth beneath. That's the God 
I know that's where I belong. How many others in Jericho had worked that out? How many others of them had concluded from what they'd heard? Thought, well, we'd better get, we'd better get on the right side of this, God. We really, really ought to doom everywhere else. But then no, they rather back themselves somehow to come through it all and perhaps encourage watching the strange behavior of the people that were supposed to be the great threat, beginning to think after all the trouble might have passed, that we are safe, that ours is the enduring, the solid thing. These other things are ephemeral, don't really have any substance. How can you believe in an invisible God? How can you be putting all your hope in heaven that you haven't even seen? In events, resurrection of our Lord from the dead. Were you there, they say? Did you see it? Why then rely upon these eyewitness accounts? Surely these are but children's stories and fables. And there, perhaps, they're gaining a little courage. But, oh, how wrong if they were to do it. It's set to collapse, isn't it? It hasn't got anything at heart. Well, we can read in that sense there the individual application which our, our Lord brings in Matthew chapter 7. The buildings. Well, I didn't know Storm Eunice was going to go by this way when preparing this sermon. But anyway, it seems appropriate, doesn't it? Reading from verse 24, Matthew 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, but it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. Great was its fall. There's the O2 Centre or Arena in London with its uh, roof there flapping open and gaping hole. Well, these are houses, aren't they? People who, unlike Rahab, she, she began to build on the rock, didn't she? When the trouble came, she was secure. The rest of Jericho wasn't. They might have seemed secure, but they weren't reckoning on, on a day coming when God would shake them and where their fears and their emptiness would be clearly exposed. And we read, didn't we, there in Revelation chapter 18. It's there for us to compare and contrast, isn't it? We'll compare perhaps more than contrast. Babylon, the great city, this, this symbol, is standing out to us, a, a representation using geography, using places of that day, of a system that looks impregnable, doesn't it? It looks as if it's built to endure forever. A little bit like Jericho, back along. And yes, it's built on sand. And even, even an hour, it's gone. There's the lament. You just heard it again and again, didn't you, Revelation? As you, alas, alas! That great city, which all had her ships on the sea, became rich by her wealth for in one hour. She's made desolate. Gone. There's nothing left. It had no foundations in the end. And for all of its wealth, for all of its great economy, and the political order that it had, and the activities, of course, it's just a summary of activities. The Lord could have written the whole book of Revelation and again and again with all of the different trades and crafts and activities happening kind of under its umbrella, all, all part of it, seemingly there, and they're going to last forever. Gone. Gone in 
a moment gone because, of course, this is Christ's return. Joshua is a type of Christ, isn't he? Well, it's in the name, Joshua. Same name, actually, isn't it? God is Savior. And he who brings you into the promised land, he who brings great defeat upon a world order that looks so impregnable, that looks so secure, but there was nothing there at heart. It was fear. It was empty. Now our Lord bringing here a judgment upon this summing up of all, because we know what's in it, are the blood of prophets and saints and of all who are slain on the earth. Oh, it traded in the bodies and souls of men. It wasn't particularly friendly in the end. It wasn't a, a system that had everybody's welfare at heart. And it certainly didn't have the church's welfare at heart. That got in the way. God's people get in the way of this thing. They're an irritant. They're a problem. Their ethics, that's a problem. They're, they're speaking, that's a problem. This gospel, this talk about another kingdom, we don't want that. We want people to build for here. It's all about now. Our whole trade is based upon this is all there is, so make the most of it. And that challenge that comes from without. Though you would think, how many of us are there? How large is a church across the world? Well, hardly. Any more really than this people circling the city there? Well, really, is that it? Uh, it's not the whole world that's gone this way. And maybe we can weather this storm. Maybe we can weather this challenge. But at heart, they're afraid. At heart, they're troubled, just like Jericho. And at heart, Babylon is troubled and all of its opposition and seeming strength. But it's afraid. It's actually afraid of us. It's afraid of the message we bring. It's afraid that we, we're awkward. We stand out. We haven't gone away. We haven't just given up and gone home. Though we persist, we still have our Sunday services. We still preach from this book. Still believe the gospel. Still preach the cross and the blood. How it atones for sin. How you can be saved. And that is just unacceptable to them. But one day, as Joshua came to Jericho, so our Lord will come. This world order is gone in a moment. They should have not feared the end of the world. They should have feared God. For then they would have found their safe entry into the next. Where are you, friend? Are you an insider or an outsider? Are you there actually in Jericho thinking, ah, oh, relief. I think it's safe here after all. I think we're okay. I think we'll come through this and the, the threat of this supernaturalism, these people with this gospel and these churches that just don't go away. I think we're safe. Well, my second heading, the outsiders look the weakest. Well, they look as if they were. They're outside the city. They're the wrong side of the walls and the gates. And what have they got by way of a threat? Oh, this proclamation that they bring, these horns that they blow, this presence. They say that God is with them. God is among them. But what really does all this amount to? An ark, sacrifice, and sprinkling of blood. Well, has this any relevance to us here? I mean, of course it does. And dear friends, the reality and the power, the glory and the kingdom, the dominion rests here because it rests with our God. And we are his people. We are the priests. We are clothed now in fine linen. We are those who, well, we haven't got trumpets. We have the organ. We sing hymns of praise, declarations of what will be and Christ's return. We, we proclaim that in the word and in all that we preach and in what we sing. There's the power. Here is the destiny. 
Not there with Jericho. What's his destiny? Well, gone, isn't it? Collapses. Oh, wars took a shout and all it seemed. And it's gone. All that power lost and all those people who seemed so protected and secure, destroyed. Utterly destroyed. Only Rahab and her family were safe. Spiritual realities. God with us is worth more than all the wealth of the world. Worth more than all of its trumpeters and craftsmen, sounds and millstones there, all its relationships and marriages and merchants and great men of the earth, the big big corporations, big business, whoever it is, and all their sorcery there. Oh, shop practice, there's plenty of that out there, isn't there, friends, and all kinds of tricks and everything else to keep the show on the road. But for all its power, money, alliances, seeming stability, it goes. Because the power, the enduring, was solid. What was actually the normal, the proper normal, belongs here. Belongs in what this book teaches. Belongs in the things of Christ. What he promises of salvation, justification, and all of the treasures that we have in that. And of course, Christ's triumph is also the church's triumph. We're bid to sing, aren't we there? We're to sing hallelujah for the collapse of these things, or hallelujah in the prospect of the collapse of these things. All gone. All of its enmity and all of its hostility gone. And only that which remains is the kingdom of God. He will make his enemies his footstool. His kingdom will prevail over all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Christ. We in him prevail. Joshua, the people, prevailed. They went straight forward and ah, it was all there in that day in that economy for the taking. It was all to be brought into God's house, not for personal collection. Of course, Joshua's words truly came to pass with Achan, bringing trouble in the camp for his disobedience. But that, of course, is another story, another day. Here, in a happier vein, when in the sense of the absolute victory and the absolute defeat for all his enemies, there we will be. Friends, we're told we will judge angels. <laughs> One day we will be there with our Saviour, already in prospect are, seated at his right hand he is, and we seated in the heavenly places in Christ with him. And so what a day that this will be, the outsider's Ridicule the despised, those who preach the gospel. We try preaching it out in the streets. We often make comment there, don't we, just? You want to be an outsider in any British town, village, city? Go outside and preach the gospel. You'll feel the outsider of outsiders there. Oh, who's listening to this? What substance is there in this? Your friends, this is where it's at. This is the place to be in Christ Jesus is where it really all is. And we just finish with Rahab, don't we? Insiders, oh, so it seemed, but it was a place doomed for destruction. But they can become outsiders. They can go outside the camp, bearing his reproach, go out to the Lord Jesus. That's what Rahab does, doesn't she? And she pulls away from the king of Jericho and his threats. She pulls away from her alliances and friendships. We won't dwell on some of those over much, but 
her connections in the city, her hopes, her prospects there. She pulls away from all of it and has seen because God has shown her this is going to be destroyed. And this, with these people, with all of the strangeness of it, the difference, their methods, their ways, so, so different. And yet that's where the destiny of the future is. That's where safety is, actually. Not inside Jericho's walls, but outside there with him, with them. They're traveling forward. This other stuff is all going to finish. And of course, she stands at the judgments. She's saved. She's brought out she and her family. She's been preserved. And friends, that's us. We may, in some senses there, still have to have our communications with a bit of battle and we may still have to deal with it in some fashion or other, but we don't belong with it. We're not making our hope there, not making our home with it. We don't see a future here at all. We see a future there with the Lord's people. We see a future there with Christ, who, of course, was the ultimate outsider, wasn't he? He was the most despised. What could a death of this itinerant prophet, preacher from Nazareth of all places achieve? What could a death that looked the most appalling and shameful death, the most tragic, needless death, really, really do? Well, he's despised and forsaken of God, isn't he? For all the world, he looks as if he is. But no, we go to him, don't we? We go to the despised one. We go to the one who's rejected for that. Stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. and We can see merit in him. Why, we can see everything in him. And to him we go as Rahab went from that scarlet thread. Had we had time, I'm sure we could have looked at that. That protection, the blood of Christ that protects from all that is coming upon this poor, sad world, all of its hopes. Is one day going to be judged by this king who died on a cross, crown of thorns that was his, the rude treatment that he received, Kings didn't seem to beat a path to that place, did they? They weren't there. High priests didn't really much come out. They sent some of their representatives to hell abuse at him. But there, on that despised cross, a despised saviour, the outsider par excellence, was drawing all men to himself, that we should find in him future and hope, that we should belong to the kingdom that will last forever. All the other kingdoms have been swept away and gone. Whoever they are, China, Russia, you name them, they'll be gone. And we, as his people, when all of that's in ruin, we safe and secure forever. Christ's arms saved for heaven. God's insiders in the end. Yeah, his insiders, the secrets of the Lord, is with those who trust him. He made his covenant and he has things to teach us as we, like Rahab, pledge our love and our loyalty to him, that we will serve him and his people, the outsiders, and really, after all, we're the insiders, and who belonged to heaven, that place and kingdom that endures forever. Amen.